人哈。Good morning, my dear friends. We are learning the Sikha on Parshas Vayetze, um, this, the, the second one for this week, and it's Sikha Aleph in Chelek Chof. Um, we are learning with Atzfila that we experience a tremendous nest and a Yeshua immediately for the abducted to come home safe in body and in mind and in spirit. And all those who need a for Shlema to have a complete refuah, and that everybody should be safe in Eretz Yisrael and all around the world, and there should be an end to this terrible time. We're asking the Ebesha for a for Shlema for Harav Yosef Yitzchak Ben Sima Chasya, and a for Shlema for Miriam Grimaldi. Um, and I uh, received two replies to my quest for simchas. One comes from our classmate, Rachel Kaplan, who said, we get up in the morning and we do what we have to do and we have the gazun to do it. That is a simcha, undoubtedly. So we thank the Abishra for that. And um, somebody posted um, in our chat um, about a miracle that happened if if we, I, it's very hard to know what to believe and what not to believe, and I certainly don't have the ability to corroborate this. Um, but you can see in the chat, uh, somebody shared uh, uh, a ness, and this should only be nisim and niflois, and in the most open and manifest way. Our sicha this morning um, is on the pasuk at the very beginning of. Parsha's Vayetze. It's the second Pasuk in the Parsha. And we're talking about Yaakov leaving Be'er Sheva, going towards Haran. And the Torah says, Vayifka b'makoim, Vayolen Sham. He reached the place. He spent the night there. Kiva HaShemesh, because the sun had set. Vayikach me'avne ha'makoim. He took some of the stones of that place. Vayasem me'rashoysev. And he arranged them around his head. And he lay down to sleep in that place. And the obvious question is, why do we need the word hahu? It's completely extra. Should have just says, said, and he lay down to sleep there. And Rashi says, this is not a Rashi Sikha, but just reading what Rashi says, Hahu is lashon miut. It's an exclusory term. But I say makam shachav. It's true. Yaakov slept in that place. Aval yudal etshanim shem shimesh beveis aver. But for the fourteen years that he studied in the house of aver, loy shachav balayla shahaya oisek batayr. He did not lay down at night because he was involved in the study of tayr. That's Rashi on that pasuk. Now we begin the sicha. Ala pasuk vayashki b'makam mahu on the pasuk, and he laid down there to sleep. Nemar b'medrash kan shachav, aval kol yudal etshana shahaya tamu beves eber loy shachav. Here he slept, but for the fourteen years that he was sequestered in the yeshiva's shame beever, he did not sleep. And afterwards, the Medrash brings another opinion. Here, Yaakov slept, but for the entirety of the 20 years that he lived in Lavan's house, he did not sleep. Like it says in our Parsha, and um, basically, it means sleep eluded me. Um, literally, the sleep drifted away from my eyes. And then the Medrash continues to teach. And what did he say? 
Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Amar Tesvav Shir Hamalish Shabbosefer Tehillim. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi taught that what Yaakov said during the time that he was with Lavan were 15 prakim from Tehillim that are titled Shir Hamalis. My Taima, what's the reason? Shir Hamalis David Lule Hashem Shahayalanu, Yoimana Yisrael. He he said Shir Hamalis. Because if not for Hashem being with us, David Melech said, and Yaakov felt the same way, then uh, what would be? Bnei Yisrael have to have to um, remember this. And Yisrael is Saba, Yaakov Avinu, our grandfather Yaakov Avinu. And this is alluded to in this Pasuk to what Yaakov Avinu said. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman Amar, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman said, Kol Sefer Tehillim Haya Emer. No, Yaakov Avinu said the whole Sefer Tehillim. Matam, why do we say this? What do we base this on? Again, another Pasuk, Va'ata Kadash Yeshev Tehillas Yisrael. And Yisrael is Yisrael Saba, is our grandfather Yisrael Yaakov. Now, Mashmaos Hashelam Omahaya Emer. And what does it mean when the Medrash says, and what did it, what was Yaakov Avinu saying? The question is not, what was he doing there that he didn't sleep? Because we know. Because the Torah tells us, because in our Parsha, we, we learn that he was busy day and night, so much so, that by Yaim he was busy with the, with the sheep. Can you hear me? Um, oh, okay. No, because I just saw um, a comment flash in the chat and it sounded like maybe. Um, okay. So. Okay. All good. Um, so we, we, we're not questioning um, what Yaakov did, because the Pasuk tells us explicitly that he was busy day and night and he didn't sleep at all because he was so punctilious with taking care of his duties for Lavan. And um, if you look at footnote six, that we learn from this, we learn from Yaakov Avinu that somebody who's an employee is obligated to work with all of his keiches for his employer. So the question of what did he say is not euphemistically what was he doing. So what do, what does it mean? What did he say? His lamad. What What did he? What did he daven? What was he learning? That he should be able to overcome the difficulties of being in Haran and in the house of Lavan. Visham. Why do we want to know what he might have been learning, what he might have been davening? Because he was in a state of golos. He went upon the command of his father Yitzchak to be in the house of Lavan. And there he busied himself with the sheep of Lavan. And if you look at the footnote, that the, the biblical word sign, sheep, is related to the term yitzia, to leave, meaning michutz liyakov, kedusha, that for Yaakov Avinu to be there, it was a leave taking of his normal space in kedusha. Adasher, shahusay beves lavan, garmaloi liyarida midargasay. And so much so that spending time in the house of Lavan caused him a demotion in his in his spiritual level. Kedivri Rashi, like Rashi explains, 
שיעקב אמר, יעקב said, אם לרמי סובה, גם אני אוכל ברמוס. If Lavan is going to deal with me with trickery, I can be his brother in trickery. Meaning, כלומר, שגם אצלי הייסק אביוכל רמוס בדיימי לרמוס לבן. That כביוכל, as it were, not literally, not actually, but Yaakov Avinu was broadcasting that he was capable of deceit. He was capable of deception and trickery just like Lavan was. And that is not who Yaakov Avinu is, his default. So we see based on this that there was some kind of uh, an effect that being in the house of Lavan could have on him. Therefore, he had to protect himself. Therefore, we're looking to see with what did he protect himself? What did he say? What was he learning? What was he davening? And because it was a precarious situation for him spiritually, the question arises, how indeed was Yaakov able to overcome his state of exile? And surely he was able to surmount the difficulties through the agency of his voice, like Yitzchak said, that the strength of Yaakov is his voice, which can obviate the strength of Esav Yadayim, his hands, and all those that stand against Yaakov and what Yaakov has to accomplish. And, and as Chazal explained, And therefore, since we realize that what he said, meaning what he was davening or what he was learning, was absolutely pivotal, to his overcoming the difficulties that he faced in the house of Lavan, we're very interested to know exactly what was he saying. Okay, so we have two um, opinions as to what he was davening. But we have to understand. According to the day that he was saying to him, he said the whole, the whole book of Tehillim, it's very clear. What was Yaakov doing? He was saying to him, what do you didn't say? What do you didn't do? When we're faced with a difficulty, we say to him. Because you know, logically speaking, Alpipashtos. He wasn't able to study Torah like he had been studying Torah in the yeshiva. So what was he able to do to stave off the onslaught of, of attack against him? He wasn't able to learn Torah, definitely not on the level that he had studied Torah very, very in-depth um, when he was in the yeshiva Shem Be'eber. So what did he do? He said to Hillim, about which it says that when you say these to Hillim, you it's like as if you were studying intricate laws about um about about tsaras uh, and, and other things that might come upon a person, and the laws about Tuma and Tara, where um, there's a whole discussion about if you find yourself under the same tent of somebody that became Tamay, how does that affect you? And so on and so forth. So in other words, there is a teaching and um, you could see that it comes from the Yalkut Shemaini on Tehillim and um, from another source, which I'm forgetting, I should have written down. My husband told me what that footnote, what that, uh, um, that, that acrostic stands for. But in any case, um, the Midrashim teach us that Tehillim can be reckoned upon you. You say saying those Tehillim as if you study the most intricate halachas. Okay, so we understand why he's saying the whole book of Tehillim. But if we go according to the opinion that he was saying 15 
prakim, those certain 15 prakim, what's the connection between those prakim of Tehillim and his general situation in the house of Lavan, which he is trying to uh, surmount spiritually. So the Rebbe says, Kedei lohaven zeis, in order to understand this, we have to preface with the words of the Chida. Shetesvav shir hamalais, Amar davar alav hashalom, keneged tesvav shanim, shechayu ha'avoyz biyachad. That these 15 shir hamalais, davar hamalach alav hashalom said, paralleling the 15 years that the avoyz, that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were in this world together. So there were 15 years where there were these three aspects in an overlay in this world. Avram Avinu lived 175 years. Yitzchak was born when Avram was 100 years old. And Yaakov was born when Yitzhak was 60 years old. So there were 15 years where all three of the Avais were in this world together. So now we can say that Yaakov said these 15 prakim and tehillim, the 15 shir hamalais, in order to arouse the schusim of his father's Avram and Yitzchak. That is to say, in addition to his schusim and his powers and his energies, yinasnu gam shalavram he asked that the kaiches, that the that the that the the energy and the strength of Avram and Yitzchak should also be bestowed to him. And it's specifically through the kaiches of his fathers, Avram and his grandfather and his father, that he'll be able to overcome the difficulties of the house of Lavan. Kidvarov. And these words are in our parsha, where Yaakov Avinu says, "If not for the God of my, uh, the God of my father, the God of Avram, and and Yitzchak, where would I be?" Gimel. And the reason the Yaakov Avinu needed the schusim of the other Avais in order to overcome the challenges that waited and, and were with him in the house of Lavan, we can understand this through the counsel that is offered in order to overcome the milchama and the challenges that we generally have with the Yetzirah. And we learn this from a war that took place during the time of the Alta Rebbe. And in the chat, I... Um, posted information about this war. Um, I, I thought about going through it together, but I I have no additional knowledge to offer than um, what is offered in that link. So I thought it didn't really make much sense for me to present myself as an expert on that or anything else. And um, But there's also a link to a class that Rabbi Taub gave um, where he references this war. So I definitely recommend and encourage everyone um, to follow that link and listen to that. So the Rebbe cites that based on that war, that generally when wars are waged, 
mechalkim kol echad hachayil shaloi legimel chalakim. The um, troops are divided into three groups. Kelek echad be'emtza, you put one in the middle, and then you put two platoons, uh, you flank them on the right and the left. And when you wage a war, that's generally what's done. So it ends up that these three um, groups of troops are fighting each other face to face. And the victory that was achieved at that time, at that war, but how was that particular war that the Alta Rebbe references that was waged during his time, how was it won? By diverting from the normal strategy where one platoon faces another and fights that one one-on-one, but instead having all three converge on one of the enemy. Okay, so you take all of your assets and you train them and you focus them on one third of the assets of the enemy. And in this way, you're definitely able to overcome. And from this, we can learn a lesson. We can adopt a lesson. We can reappropriate this to our milchama with the Yitzhahara. In order to win over the Yitzhahara, you have to marshal the strength of the three Holy Midas, Ava, Yira, Verachamim, or Chesed, Gevora, Teferes, Leumas, Mida, Achas, Deklipa. So you take all three and you focus them against one Mida of Klipa. And in this way, you'll definitely be able to make the enemy fall and to be victorious over the enemy. And so therefore, now it makes sense, the Yaakov Avinu said the Tesva of Shir Hamalais that allude to the 15 years that the Avais were all in this world, that all lived together, and in this way, and in this way to overcome and surmount over the gulfs. Why? Because because we, we know famously that each one of the Avais was the embodiment of one of these Midas. So Avram is Ava, Chesed. Yitzchak is Givura, Pachad, Yira. And Yaakov Avinu is Teferes, Rachamim, because and when you have all three together, when you consolidate, when you mass all of these holy modalities, these holy midas, then we tap into the energy that allows us to overcome all of the difficulties and the challenges and the tests of Golos and to completely obviate them. So based on this, we can explain So now the Rebbe says, we're now in a position to look at something that is alluded to in the number Tesvav Alpi Chasidus, the Tesvav Shir Hamalois, the Tesvav Shanim Shachayo Avis Biyachat, and the 15 years that the Avois lived simultaneously uh, at the same time. Hamisbar Tesvav, Meir Al Shteh Isis Harishoine Shal Shem Havaya. 
the number 15 points us in the direction of the first two letters of the Shem Havaya, the Yud and the He. And the Yud and the He together are the Gematria Tezvav. They add up to 15. Now, Hahevdel ben Yud He levein Vav Hehu. And what's the difference between the first two letters of the Shema Vaya and the latter two letters of the Shema Vaya? The, the second two letters of the Shema Vaya, the Vav and the He, they teach about, they point to, they embody the, the Midas and Malchus. The Aisyas Yud He. The Yud is always an allusion to Chachma, its tiny um, physical size alludes to the first seminal drop, that flash of an idea. And the He, the, the, the larger um, physical aspect of it, alludes to Bina, how an idea is expounded upon and developed and goes through gestation, as it were. And now we have an additional strata of understanding this idea of the 15 years that the Avais lived, all of them together in this world. In order for their modalities to be revealed together, Chesed Gevur and Teferes, Hoyu Aves Beyachad, Zarech Lahair Bemidais Or Hamechin the Yudhe. In order for the Midais to be manifest, there has to be the Yudhe, the the light of their cognition has to be in this world, has to be revealed. Why? Kevan. <coughs> Because the cognition is higher than the way in which the midas kind of get separated and um, and variated. And because the meichen, because the cognition transcends the midas, it is able to effectuate a, um, a combination. And if this is ringing a bell to you, last week's sicha about Avram's chesed and Yitzchak Givura and how there could be a hiskalalus and how there could be a combination. But we have to be careful because this is not, this hiskalalus is not the same thing as a mixture. Okay, so like Teferis is a mixture of chesed and Givura. Hiskalalus is the ability for them to, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's really a dirty word, especially now, but maybe intersectionality, like holding space for these two things at the same time, but not the way in which they become a third thing, a mixture. <clears throat> and if you look at footnote 21, Rebbe cites that in the Kutei Torah, Alter Rebbe teaches sheYakov who teferes shemechaber chesed uGvura v'lachain who ba'avdei gol who at who bilvadei golal ha'evan me'al pia be'er. So in that scene where he meets all the shepherds, and they say they all have to get together to roll the stone off, but then Yaakov is able to roll it off himself. Al-Drebbe says that this is because he had the combination of chesed and gevura to Ferris. Al-Drebbe says, but this is not a steer to what we're saying here because Teferis is a combination, but what the Rebbe is saying here is that you need all three standing, each one in their own modality, and yet working in tandem, but not the way in which they become one mixture.
No, I'm sorry. We did that. We're up to hey. I lost my place. But this is still not enough. Why? Seemingly. The Tesvav Shir Hamalis are called song, and song is always connected to joy. The Ketzad Yachal Hayyakov Lema Shir Hamalis Shira Biyosib Matzav Shel Golus. So we have to understand. We know that song is an outgrowth of joy. How is it possible that Yaakov was in a place of joy while he was in Golus in the house of Lavan that he was saying the Shir Hamalis? Amnam. However, it's true that in these Mizmarim it talks about my help, the, the infusion of strength to overcome the Gullus. So we can understand that on some level, there is joy that comes from referencing Ezri, my help, my support, my salvation, Hashem. But how can you talk about there being revealed simcha while in a state of difficulty in Golos? And it's only in a state of real simcha, Shirak Oz, Matim Loi Mashira. That's the only time that it really is considered the time where you could where you could break out a song. Like Chazal taught, you only sing when, when you've had wine, and presumably you're indulging in wine when you're in a state of happiness. So is this possible? Whilst Yaakov was found in Charein, which is called Charein Av Shel this was spiritually a place that angered Hashem, and he was in the house of Lavan, but the explanation, the answer to this is, The whole thing that Yaakov went down to the house of Lavan was for an ascension that he would achieve. In order for him to become very rich, literally and most importantly, spiritually. And because he saw the reason for which he was go- he was descending, the goal, and he saw the ascension, the aliyah that would flower from his descent. So therefore, he was already saying shir hamalis. He was already bursting in song even while he was in the house of love. <clears throat> and this whole idea is expressed and, and with, with greater strength is underscored in the beginning. And so it is here. Just like in general, the beginning of everything expresses its um, its main idea. We also have the same idea about the end. The beginning and the end are where the fullness of the idea is found. So too is it here that we find that the, the fullness or the potency or the concentration of what would happen through the agency of this Yerida is found in the test of Shir HaMalis. Siyumai shel Shir HaMalis Harishain. The end of the first Shir HaMalis. And the Rebbe tells us, V'akol halach achar hachitum. And this is something that the Rebbe would constantly Sight 
that the Gemara says that everything follows the end. In other words, the end has to be strong. That's the Pasuk. And what is the understanding of this Pasuk? That despite the fact that Yaakov Avinu, that Yidin, are interested, that Davra Melech is interested in Shalom, they're coming to fight with me. They're coming in a Muhammad against me. How very relevant these words are to us today. And this ongoing milchama that we face, although all we are seeking is peace, is the way in which Hashem is shrouded and obscured and obfuscated during Golos. And especially this is expressed in the challenges and the tests that prevent us and bother us from engaging in Avedis Hashem. They come to wage war against us, against David against Yaakov. And so by saying Sher Hamalais on those that mass against us in war, you underscore the awesome ascension that is possible only through the agency of a war. And the truth of the matter is that this is really the whole Indian Hasidus of why a neshama has to come into this world altogether. The neshama has to come into this world to be twinned with, married to the nefesh of Bahamas. And only through the agency of the clash and the tension and the conflict with the nefesh of Bahamas does the nefesh aliki achieve ascension. Because Al-Tahab explains, the nefesh aliki doesn't need tikkun, but it needs aliyah. And the only way it can get its aliyah is through being forced to fight the Nefesh of Bahamas. Explanation is that a Jew is not permitted to put themselves into a situation of Nisyanis, of tests. On the contrary, every single morning we get up and we beg, don't bring us to Nisayan. That's why Ayit says, I am peace. We just want to serve Hashem. We are interested in a spiritual field of peace without Muhammad, without challenges. But despite this, but because of the ascension that can be achieved and can be accessed specifically only through the war and the challenges, Hashem creates a situation at certain times where others come to do war with us. Shabain Hema, Belashain Rabim, and Hema is in plural. It is referring to this whole plane called this physical world, which is a Rishus Harabim. It is characterized by multiplicity, by multifariousness, by by the variety and the, <clears throat> the tremendous amount of pulls and pushes. And the Abish to create this, that they come to bother us and to disturb us in our Avedis Hashem. You know, um, I'm really sorry, but I 
skipped a really important footnote. If it's okay to go back to footnote 29. So let's, um, forgive me. So let, let's read again that part of the Sikha. We're going back to the last paragraph of Se'if Hey. The Rebbe is asking, how could Yaakov Avinu say Shira when he's by Lavan, he's in Kharan? Hahezber lekachu, the explanation is, Yeridas Yaakov Avinu leves Lavan Yaakov Avinu going into the house of Kharan was for the purpose of ascension. For the purpose of his becoming very great, physically, spiritually. And because Yaakov Avinu saw what the reason was for his going down, he saw as how he saw the ascension, the greatness, the elevation that would spring forth from this. That's why he was able to say, and he said in the house of love on Shir Hamalis, footnote 29. The Rebbe Kachzach very, very much in this, that, 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 that Rabbi Akiva was with other Tanaim. They were crying, and he was laughing when he saw the Chorban. And 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 Hasidus explains, and Kutisikas is explained, Shahumishum Shadafkahu Ra Bitaikaf Hagolos Esa Ilui Shabam Mizebahagula. The Rebbe explains that Yaakov Avinu laughed when they were crying, because when he saw the profundity of the Gullus, he saw the greatness of what would come in the Gula. Ullahir Mikisbi Harizal. And the Rebbe brings down that that Rizal taught Shirabi Akiba who Gilgul the Oisiyos Yaakov. That Rabbi Akiva is a Gilgul of Yaakov, and you see it in the letters of their names are the same. So I thought that was very interesting and not something we should skip. Now we're going to the last paragraph of Sivav. My apologies. And so therefore, Yaakovinu said, Shir Hamalais. Not only will these challenges not prevent him in his Avedis Hashem from, from achieving what he must, and it doesn't even weaken his Avedis Hashem, but it's opposite. They added to him strength in, in a doubled and redoubled fashion. And this brought him to burst forth in song. Um, I saw something in the chat. Yeah, Hannah, I think it's the same idea. And, and there's a famous sikha where the Rebbe speaks about this, about soldiers going out to war singing. Yeah, Joni, uh, that seems what the Rebbe is saying, that, that we are brought challenges to poke us, to bother us, um, for the greatness that will ensue from this. Yeah, for sure we have to know that it's from Hashem. You're saying it's so hard to swallow laden with guilt that you're here and others are there. But but again, Hasidus teaches us, the Rebbe never tired of reminding us that you're sitting in Montreal because that's where Hashem put you. There's nothing to feel guilty about. It's just a matter of we have to find what is our shlichus, where we are. There's no guilt here. And guilt is corrosive and it doesn't do anything for anybody. But But to find why am I at this front? Because we're all on a front. But we're human. Yeah, but Hasidus takes our human factor and tries to raise us. No, still. I just don't get it. I mean, on that, it's not my, it's not for me to get. It's just when you know people there and you, 
and you're involved. It's just, it's not abstract. It's not people that we don't know. Right. Whatever. Anyway, keep going. You're a good woman, Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, we should all be bothered. But but we can't afford that. That's what the Rebbe taught us. We cannot afford that. We have too much work to do. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be sad, but that we need to channel it. Zion. Kol inyan b'teir hu Everything in Torah, every Indian is an eternal lesson. When we can't move on. So it's understood from this, that everything described above is a lesson for every, every time in Golos. And this is a specific for our time, for the difficulty of the Golos in this generation where we can hear the footsteps, we can we, we can hear Mashiach coming. When we begin to think and 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 contemplate the double and redoubled darkness of this generation, and we are fully in um Permitted, <laughs> there is place Alpiteria to say from where is going to come our salvation. And at such a time, it is very possible. It is that we will fall into depression. He, but the lesson that we learn from what we've been discussing is. Yeridas Yisrael Legolos Shadoima Levayetze Yaakov Eilacharana Hilitzayrech Aliyah are going into Golos, which is what happened to Yaakov when he left from 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 Canaan. He left from Eretz Yisrael to go to Charan Charan Af Apayshel Makayim. It's for an Aliyah. Kedeshiyah Yisrael Ar Min Achoshech VeYisrael LaChachma Min Hasichlos that there should be greater light that comes out of the darkness, that there should be greater chachma that comes out of the folly. Therefore, we have to lift our eyes upwards. We have to raise our eyes. We have to raise our perspective to look at the tachlis of the galos. And to see the great elevation that is coming in the in the Geula for us, not only will we not be scared and um and 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 um brought into a state of of panic from from the darkness of the Golos. But on the contrary, we'll be in a state of manifest joy. We'll be able to sing. Chas v'sholam, Joni, loimar, sheyesh l'smayach im ha-golos v'lachshay shezeu ha-matzav ha-royu l'Yisrael. Chas v'sholam, chas v'chalila, that we should be joyous with the golos, in the golos, and to think that this is a proper situation for Klal Yisrael. Lehefa, on the, on the contrary, Golos hi Chayshech v'sichlos v'kadayme. Chayshech is darkness. Chayshech is folly, etc., etc. Ve'al ha-Yehudi b'golos o'imeres ha-tari b'mefor shehu ben shagola me'al shulchan aviv ha-mela. And in describing a Jew in Golos, we find the Gemara famous analogy that it is like a prince that has been banished from his father's table. And if the prince feels differently or, or speaks about this differently, that's when you can recognize 
just how utterly dark and how how devolved is the gullus of this child that he doesn't feel that he's been banished from the table of the king so on one hand we have to feel the darkness of the gullus and the difficulty and we have to feel every moment the the betrayal and the hurt of a prince being banished from the table of, of a king. But we have to contemplate the matara, the goal. That there has to emerge from this greater light that comes from darkness, greater light that comes from the folly. And when we contemplate in this way, when we train our thought process in this way, then we're able to reveal and we're able to feel the answer to our existential question from where will come our, our salvation. And the Rebbe says, from where will come the salvation? Bishaelazu atzma. The answer comes from the question. According to the Hasidic understanding of Ayin, that Hashem's salvation comes from the level of Ayin. This level of Ayin is a level that is impossible to arrive to. It's impossible to access. It transcends our seichel. It transcends our ability to understand. It transcends the other names of Hashem. But then this transcendent light, this transcendent level from which comes the geula, the salvation, comes down into and it comes down in a revealed way, and it affects there, and it permeates and is revealed until heaven and earth very, very literally and 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 physically speaking, and may Hashem have Rahmanis on us that this should happen immediately because it's it's already impossible to bear every single day the faces of of more worlds that are being shattered. Not to mention the so many that we lost and the so many that we don't know. So we have to see the the Azer already from Ayan. Amen, El Kaleya, Besurus Tevis for all of us wherever we are.